In this lesson, we will consider one of the fundamental principles of good governance and the assurance of individuals' rights and liberties, which is the rule of law. Now, the principle can be succinctly described as the notion that no one is above the law and everyone is subject to the law. There are several associations that we must consider along with the aspect of rule of law, which is that a person is presumed innocent until proven guilty. The concept of double jeopardy, which is that a person or an individual cannot be tried for the same offense more than once, and that of legal equality, that everyone is equal before the law. Now, there are several theories of law that has been expounded over many centuries. And before we consider rule of law uh, in the context of constitutional law as a subject within an LLB program, it's important to have an understanding of the context and the surrounding aspect and a bit of history of the theories of law that has been expounded. Firstly, you have what is called natural law which can either be theological or secular. Theological law is the notion that all law is based on God. Secular, conversely, is that it's based on inherent good or morality for that matter. Conversely, you have positivism, which is the fact that law is what is passed by parliament or some authority, an authoritative body passing law. There have been many different legal luminaries, academics and jurists that have propounded several theories in the notion of law as well as the rule of law. One of the most eminent professors, Professor Joseph Raz, has noted that rule of law can exist without a legal system pursuing moral good. So the rule of law itself need not necessarily be that of moral justifications being propounded. Rather, it is merely much like positivism that we considered earlier, that group or set of laws which has been expounded or which has been stipulated and stated by some greater authority or higher body. But as Professor Raz notes, it must be clear, it must be publicized, as in everyone must know about it, it must be stable, as in not necessarily unamendable, but distinct and definable not impossible to adhere to, non-contradictory and accessible, along with independence of the judiciary. Now, we noted earlier in terms of the separation of powers that the contemporary context of separation of powers is that the judiciary must be independent. Similarly, Professor Raz notes in his theory that we must consider the rule of law and the perception of laws themselves, as well as adherence and governance by it, must be in line with the independence of the judiciary as much as the laws themselves and the adjudication of which must be accessible to the individual, to the citizen. Professor Lon Fuller, on the other hand, has considered that the legal system must serve the needs of the people if it is to be obeyed. It must be in the best interests of the people in order for governance to take place and for people to take it seriously and not revolt. One of the prominent jurists and academics, A.V. Dicey, has noted that the supremacy of regular law as opposed to influence of arbitrary power is a succinct manner of considering what exactly rule of law is or trying to amalgamate it into one holistic picture. It also equates to the notion of equality of all classes. Law of the Constitution is also the consequence of the rights of individuals as defined and enforced by the courts, according to Dicey. 
John Rowell noted that similar cases must be treated alike, laws must be known, and laws must abide by natural justice. What you would note from A.B. Dicey, from John Rowell, Professor Raz, and even Professor Fuller is that the whole notion of the rule of law is to meticulously protect the rights and liberties of the individual as opposed to the state. Also, it notes that whatever laws that have come about and would come about in the future will only be adhered to if it is in the best moral interest and of moral good to the society at large and to the individual, to the citizen himself. Now that we have a foundation on the concept of the rule of law and a summary of it, let's move on to have a brief outline of certain other aspects of the rule of law. There are several views that have been propounded over the many decades and centuries, but one notable aspect of the rule of law in understanding this principle and concept has been propounded by Hobbes, in which he states that the rule of law deals with the surrendering of rights to procure security, the whole concept of social contract. Hutchinson, on the other hand, notes that it must be a government of laws and not men. The whole premise of the rule of law is that it's not an arbitrary power that has control over an individual or a state, rather a set of rules, a set of, set of laws that has been created by a collective body contemporarily for the benefit of the greater good for a society at large. However, when we talk about the rule of law, A.V. Dicey's explanation of the three pillars in terms of rule of law is very important to discuss. And in this slide, firstly, he notes that there can be no punishment without a breach of the law. Secondly, everyone is equal before the law. And thirdly, rights are best protected under common law. Having said that, in the modern day context, we see that there has been many criticisms aimed at Dicey's three pillars. Firstly, in terms of there being no punishment without a breach, we see that there are instances where the discretion of the executive rescinds this particular pillar. Sir Ivor Jennings quite clearly noted where in the instance of land is acquired during wartime, the whole premise of a punishment not occurring without breach is completely set aside. Moreover, if we look at cases like Burma Oil and R&R, there is a notion of retrospectivity. Both of these cases are available in your case summaries. When you have a look at them, you would understand how this breaches Dicey's first limb in relation to rule of law. The second limb of Dicey's theory on rule of law has also been criticized once again by Sir Ivor Jennings. In the notion of all being equal before the law, Jennings notes that, for instance, judges and ministers, in, when you consider the judiciary as well as the legislature and the executive, are immune from certain suits. Therefore, you cannot consider that every single person is equal under the law or before the law. Not all parties are equal and there are certain distinctions between groups of individuals in the state infrastructure itself. Thirdly, when you consider Dicey's third limb, that rights are best protected under common law, we see that there's a criticism once again aimed at this third limb due to the UK being part of the European Union and the enactment of the Human Rights Act of 1998, bringing into direct effect uh, the European Convention of Human Rights. This being said, it is notable that the Human Rights Act once again is repealable and it is important to note that while this is not 
as harsh a criticism as that which is propounded by Sir Ivor Jennings in relation to the first and second limb, it is nonetheless important to note in an examination situation. Rule of law is a vast and complicated topic, and this was a very brief and succinct overview of it. I urge you to go through your primary sources of academic material, which is provided by your university, as well as various textbooks. You will find a list of books and sources to actually reference for rule of law, as well as every other topic discussed in this course later on in this particular program. In the next lesson, we will consider parliamentary sovereignty.